John Owen said, The priesthood in Israel had nothing in common with the priesthood of papal Rome. The priests are for the people, not the people for the priests. The people were attended to first, then the priests. Moses commanded nothing to Aaron and his sons except what the Lord revealed and sent him to tell. And the Lord in these ordinances regarding the priesthood gave a shadow of the heavenly transactions between the Father and the Son. The priesthood that we read here in Leviticus um, was given unto Aaron and his sons for a particular time and a particular purpose. And there are some Catholics who try to go and um, try to take principles of the priesthood and apply it, um, these sacrificial priests, and apply it to um, the church. There are some Baptists who try to do the same. But um, there, this ministry was for a particular time, for a particular season, for a particular purpose. And that's what we're going to look at tonight. We're going to look actually... Uh, survey, I guess you should say, chapters 8, 9, and 10, because this all deals with the sort of the ordination of Aaron and his sons into the, the, the priesthood. Thus far, in the book of Leviticus, it's just been God telling Moses what to do. But chapter 8, 9, and 10 are, is a historical event. So, so far, it's just been a list of regulations, do this and and sacrifice this way, and offer this for this reason. But now, chapter 8, we're getting into some history. And so chapters 8 through 10 are history concerning the entering in and the the start of the Levitical priesthood. So first we're going to look just at sort of the history of the priests, and then we're going to look at the sacrifices. Um, There's sort of a, one man called it a, um, a literary triplet that three pictures of each chapter are designed to hang together so we can see the meaning of the whole. So chapter 8 is a picture, chapter 9 is a picture, chapter 10 is a picture, and we step back and look at this whole historical event, we see a little bit more of the whole. And so what we'll do is we'll just do a a quick survey of what the priesthood was and then look at uh, an overall view of each chapter to see what the Lord has for us tonight about the priesthood. So a priest is an officiating officer. He's a ruler, a minister, according to uh, just the definition of the word. Um, Historically, the first time you find the word is in the book of Job. It's translated prince there, but the first mention of sort of an official priest is Genesis 14, 18. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, was brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. And we read in Hebrews where Jesus was after the order of Melchizedek. So that's the first time we find the official priesthood in Scripture, that Melchizedek, with no ancestral records in the Scripture, no family to follow after him, arrives on the scene there, and um, Abraham brings him tithes, and, and he does the work of a priest unto the Most High God. You find different times where the heads of the families would do the, the work of priests. Uh, Job offered sacrifices first for his family, and then at the end, God tells him to offer sacrifices for his friends. Uh, you find Noah uh, offering sacrifices, and uh, many of the other uh, patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob offering uh, sacrifices. 
So you find that um, in different times and different seasons throughout, but this Levitical priesthood um, began here, well, actually in the book of Exodus, and was established here as a, as a particular ministry. Well, first of all, God had willed, um, it was the, the plan of God that he declared that he would have a nation of priests. In the book of Exodus, chapter 19, we find what God says about this in Exodus 19, 5 and 6. Now, therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all the people, for all the earth is mine. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. So the Lord told the nation of Israel that they were to be a kingdom of priests, a priest and they would be priests into the whole world. And so God says, if you will keep my commandments, if you will keep my covenant, I will make you all priests. And you all do the work of, of the ministry, of, of um, offering sacrifices and, and ministering um, on behalf of, of all people. Well, Israel couldn't bear that. They couldn't bear uh, even a short period of time because it wasn't too much longer after that where God called the people together to, the, to, to speak to them. And then they, they said they couldn't hear God, that they, they wanted a, a mediator. In Deuteronomy 18, verse 16 and 17, it says, According to all that thou desirest of the Lord thy God in Horeb, in the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, neither let me see this great fire any more, that I die not. And the Lord said unto me, They have well spoken that which they have spoken. And he says, I will raise them up a prophet like among the brethren unto thee, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them that I command him. So God said that he was going to make his people a kingdom of priests. Well, because of the, their sin, they heard the voice of God, and they said, we need someone to, to, for God to speak to a mediator, and then you can tell us what God says. And the Lord said, well, they've well said. So it wasn't that this threw God's plan off track, or that took God by surprise, but God said, this is what my, my will is, is to have my people as priests, not to have men to be as mediators for other men, but to have my people as, as priests. Well, they, they couldn't do that. They broke the covenant straight away. They, they um, had failed right off the bat there at, the, at Mount Horeb when God was giving the commandments. They wanted the mediator. And so the Lord gives them a mediator. Well, this, like I said, did not throw God's plan off, but it did show the, the weakness of the law. It shows the weakness of man, and it shows our great need. That we, have to, we need a mediator. We need a, we need a priest. 
You can read in Isaiah 61, 6 that the Lord says in the millennial kingdom that it says, but ye shall be named priests of the Lord and ye shall call you the ministers of our God. And so in the future, they, I believe that those uh, children of Israel will be the priests but uh, in, in the future reign. But here in, the, here in the Old Testament time, the Lord said, no, uh, they have spoken well. They will have a mediator. They will have priests. And so the Lord has ordained that Aaron and his sons will be the priests for the people. Rather than the people being priests unto God, God ordained a priesthood unto the, the people. So Aaron and his sons would be the high priests, and then the tribe of Levi, out of which the priest Aaron was, Aaron and Moses were, uh, they would do the priestly work. So you would have priests who would do particular jobs, uh, maybe a couple time, a couple weeks at a time, rotate in and out. But but they would do priestly work. The but the high priest was in Aaron and his boys. So now we went from a nation of priests to a tribe of priests with one high priest, and they would do all the work that God would have them to do for the people. You can see that in the structure of the tabernacle and the temple. You had the outer court where the, where the people could come. You had the inner court, the holy place, where the priests would go. And then you had the holy of holy where only the high priest uh, would go in. So the people could come to the outer court, but they couldn't go into the priestly area, the holy place. And then the priests couldn't go into the holy of holies. Only the high priest could. So this is sort of the history of the, of the priesthood. That's how it came in to be. There, there were priests who offered sacrifices. Prior to this, but the the priesthood as we know it, as we think of it, rather, um, in Old Testament times, even to the time of Jesus, was initiated here. Um, Chapter 28 and 29 of the book of Exodus is where God um, gives these commands. So God ordains or calls Aaron to the task. And then in chapter 29... It says, And this thing shalt thou do unto them that hallow the minister unto me in the priest's office. And so there's a, a whole list of things for, for Moses to do for those entering the priesthood. So in the book of Exodus, you have very detailed instructions about what the priest was to, was to wear, his, his breastplate, the ephod, the, the, all the, the, the girdle and the garments and, and so forth. In chapter 28, God's going to set Aaron and his sons apart. And this is what they're going to wear. And whenever you they enter the office, this is what they're going to do. And so in chapter 29 of Exodus, towards the end of the chapter in verse 42, it says, This shall be a continual burnt offering throughout all your generations at the door of the congregation before the Lord, where I will meet you, and to speak there unto thee. And there I will meet with the children of Israel, and the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory. And I will sanctify the tabernacle, the congregation, the altar. And I will sanctify also both Aaron and his sons to minister to me in the priest's office. And I will dwell among the children of Israel, and I will be their God. And they shall know that I am the Lord, that I brought them forth out of the land of Egypt, that I may dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. So Moses is receiving instruction from the Lord. God tells Moses, Aaron and his sons are going to be the priests. This is what they're going to wear. This is what they're going to do. And this is how you're going to ordain them. 
And um, if you just scan through there, you see the sacrifices and the rams and the burnt offerings and the wave offerings and, and all those such things that, that um, we've already looked at in the, the, the book of Leviticus. You have the burnt offerings and, and all these offerings. God says, whenever he, when you start this office, this is what you're going to do. The Lord says that when this happens, he's going to meet with his people and he's going to show the, his glory. In verse 44, it says, And I will sanctify the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar, and I will sanctify also both Aaron and his sons to minister me in the priest's office. So the Lord is going to sanctify the place. He's going to sanctify Aaron. He's going to set them apart. He's going to make them holy for, for the work. Aaron and his sons don't sanctify themselves, but the Lord will sanctify them. He will set them apart. He will make them holy. He will fit them for the work that he has called them to do. And then the Lord will dwell with his people. Because of the sacrifices, because of the covenant, the Lord will dwell with his people, and he will reveal himself there. He will show himself, and the people will be reminded that he is the God that saved them. He is Jehovah, the covenant-keeping God that saved them and brought them forth from the land of Egypt, that redeemed them, bought them, delivered them, and saved them. And so God is telling Moses all this, and, and then he goes on and tells him about, about the tabernacle. While all this is going on, though, if you remember in Exodus chapter 32, the people said, boy, Moses has been up there on that mountain a long time. We better make us a god to worship. And so they talked Aaron into making uh, golden calves. And so they did, and so he did. He he. Took, told them to bring him the gold, and they brought the gold, and he forged some golden calves, and, and the people bowed down to worship. So there they were, and, and that's when Moses came down from off the mountain. And the stone tablets were broken. The golden calves were destroyed. Moses confronts Aaron and said, What did this people do unto thee that thou hast brought such a great sin upon them? What did they do? Did they take your wife hostage? Did they, did they say they were going to uh, execute your children if you didn't obey? What did they do to you? And they answered, All that not thy anger of my Lord wax hot, thou knowest the people that they are set on mischief. For they said unto me, Make us gods which shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man brought us up out of Egypt, we what not has become him. And you know, said the, you know, the people were worried uh, and I cast the gold in the fire, and out came this calf, and uh, it just uh, things got out of control awful fast. So if we put the timeline together, God, Moses was up on the mountain, and God gives him Leviticus 1 through 7, because that's where it came from. Those are the rules. These are the offerings. This is what you're supposed to do. This is what how you're supposed to offer the sacrifices and when you're supposed to offer the sacrifices. But historically, Moses comes down, and there is this golden calf. Well, God had already said Aaron and his sons were going to be the priest. Well, surely this is going to change things, right? Aaron is going to be disbarred. He's going to be cut off. He's going to be cast out of uh, of Israel, probably um, executed. 
The sons of Aaron will be living shames. Well, no, that's not what happened. Because after the book of Leviticus, or after the book of Exodus, historically speaking, then we have come to chapter 8. So what we, in fact, see is God's graciousness to, to Aaron. And we see the fulfillment of his promise that I will sanctify the tabernacle of the congregation and I will sanctify also both Aaron and his sons to minister me in the priest's office. That God was going to do the work of cleansing. That God was going to forgive them of their sins. That God was going to show mercy unto Aaron and his sons, cleanse them from their unrighteousness, sanctify them, and use them as he had declared. And just think that is a glimpse of God's graciousness here. Because we're going to see the, the flip side of that in just a little bit of the, the fury of God's wrath and his disobedience. But I, I think it's beautiful really to see God's grace here in the Old Testament uh, sacrificial system. That we, we can't overlook God is a gracious God to, to his people. And even to Aaron, he was gracious. His sins were forgiven. And not only were his sins forgiven, but he was sanctified to continue to serve the Lord in the priesthood. Really a remarkable story of God's grace and mercy here. So what we have in chapter 8 of Leviticus is just a detailed description of what God commanded him in chapter 29 of Exodus. So you could read chapter 29 of Exodus and God said, this is what I want you to do. Then you read chapter 8 of Leviticus, and you say, okay, well, that's what Moses did. Line by line, precept by precept, what God told him to do in Exodus, he did it in Leviticus. So Exodus 29, this is God telling Moses what to do. Leviticus 8 is Moses doing what God told him. It's also just a summary of the sacrifices, both Leviticus 8 and 9 is a summary of the sacrifices, specifically in chapter 9, of the offerings in chapter 1 through 7 of Leviticus. So if you read chapter 8 of Leviticus and chapter 9, it's just going to, you're, you're sort of repeating what you've already read in the first seven chapters of Leviticus. You find in this, it stresses Moses was following the Lord's command of how God was to be worshipped. And so, in chapter number 8, Moses does the work of the priest. Aaron didn't do the work of the priest in chapter 8. Moses did. Moses offered the sacrifices. Moses anointed Aaron. Moses took the the sprinkling of of the blood. Moses uh, did the work of the priest unto Aaron. In chapter number 9, is Aaron and his boys taking up the work of the priesthood for the children of of Israel. Then you get to chapter 10, and it shows us how the opposite of that is true. That God judged the sons of Aaron who dishonored the Lord's name because they dishonored his word, and they they ruined the picture of the, the sacrifices. So chapters 8 through 10 form this picture. You have Moses doing the work of the priest in chapter number 8 of Leviticus, according to what God told him in Leviticus or in Exodus. 
Chapter number nine, you have Aaron taking up the work of the priest and doing everything that the Lord commanded. Moses did what the Lord commanded in chapter eight. Aaron does what the Lord commanded in chapter nine. And then chapter 10, we'll get to in just a second. Um, Ross said that Moses takes the role as a priest in the first seven chapters in chapter eight. Then Aaron and his sons take the job laid out um, thereafter. Moses steps down as the priest in Leviticus 9 and Aaron or 8, and then Aaron takes the role after that. And then you get to chapter 10 of Leviticus, and that forms a contrast to what happened. And so chapter 10 is where Aaron's boys offer strange fire unto the Lord that they don't obey the Lord, and then there is great judgment there. So you you find these contrasts. Moses listens to God and obeys. Aaron listens to God and obeys. Nahab and Abihu don't listen to God. God sends judgment. So in our text, we read that Moses did what was commanded. And so now we're going to get into sort of the, uh, the, some details about these chapters now that we have the overview of what we're looking at. You find that, and the Lord spake unto Moses and said, and he did this, and the Mo, in verse 4, and Moses did as the Lord commanded him. And Moses said, and Moses did. He did what the Lord commanded him to do. He washed Aaron and his sons. He clothed them with those holy garments. He anointed them. He sanctified them, and he sacrificed for them. That's what we read in our text. He washed them, he clothed them, he anointed them, he sanctified them, and he sacrificed for them. This was a picture that Aaron was unclean. He was sinful, and he needed to be washed. He needed to have on garments of righteousness. He needed to be sanctified. He needed his sins forgiven. And Starting in verse 14, you have the sin offering that we read. Verse number 18, the burnt offering. Then you have a sacrifice of consecration. Then you have the wave offering. Then he he is anointed. And then, starting in verse 31 of chapter 8, you find what we read there at the end of, of Exodus that they were to come to the door of the congregation, but not to go out for seven days. And Israel would see, and they would abide at the door for seven days and seven nights as they are separated. And if they left, God, they would die. They had to stay inside the door for seven days, and that's what they did. So now Aaron has been set apart for this work. God has sanctified him. God has shown all of Israel that they are they are consecrated. They are set apart for this holy work. That they are no longer the same. That, that God has made them different. Because they have a very specific task. Now, Israel was supposed to be a holy people, weren't they? God told them to be holy for he is holy. They were supposed to be a nation of priests. Set apart from the nations. But now we have this high priest who is set apart to do this work. And they are set apart. Now he will offer sacrifices um, for the people. 
They see their need for sanctification here. They see their need for sacrifice. They see the need for the forgiveness of sins. They see their need of separation for God is holy. So that's what happens in chapter 8. Now in chapter number 9 is the beginning of Israel's worship under this Levitical system. Aaron has done the work. Aaron has, or Moses has done the work. Now Aaron's ready to start his work. So chapter 9 of Leviticus is where you find the work of the priest really starting, the priesthood. Now it's Aaron and his sons who do the priestly work of sacrifice. Chapter 8 is a historical account of Moses doing what God had told them to in the first seven chapters. And then chapter 9 is a historical account of Aaron doing what God had told him to do in the first seven chapters. So that's why when you're reading the book of Leviticus, it's kind of why it's difficult. And also sort of why I wanted to, to go through this book is because it's, it's repetitive. You read, I think it's the, it's the first four chapters you read, and it talks about the sacrifices and the people's responsibility in those. And then it sort of repeats it again, talking about, starting in chapter 6, talking about the same sacrifices, only from the priest's perspective. And now we get to chapter number 8, and it's going to talk about those sacrifices again, only in the historical uh, frame of mind. So you know, this is going to be the third time that you're reading about some of these sacrifices. But if we, think, if we step back for a second and say, okay, well, God's telling the people how to, what these are for in the first um, four and a half, five chapters. And then God's telling the priest their perspective on these same views. And now we're seeing these, this actually worked out in history. So you have the laws towards the people, the laws towards the priest, and then now we're seeing a, a historical event as it's taking place as it was specified in, back in the book of Exodus. And so next time you read through that, you can, you can just break it up like that. So, okay, now I know why it seems like I've read this three times already, because I have read it three times, because God has given it to different people at different times for different purposes in this book. But recall how important this is. It's important that God re repeats it. This is dealing with Israel's worship and coming before the Lord and being a holy people. This deals with how a sinful people can come before a holy God. I don't know about you, but if, if, if this was me in that situation, I'd want it repeated many times. If, if coming before the Lord to worship was detailed, I, I would want to hear it over and over again of my need and the remedy for that need. My great need of the forgiveness of sins and how that need is met in the sacrifices, how I am forgiven, how I can come before God and worship Him and God receive me and my sacrifices being a sweet-smelling savor. I want to hear that over and over and again. I want to hear about Jesus over and again, what He's done for me, what I have in Him, what He's forgiven me of how he's forgiven me, how I'm righteous, how I can come before God. And so that's, that's what we have here in the other way, the, the, the stress of the importance of this, but also reminders and pictures of what, what these Old Testament saints were looking toward. They were, they were seeing these pictures of their true sacrifice in, in the coming Messiah. 
It pictures their great need of sacrifice, a substitute, a priest, and a mediator. They have to have all these things. And, and this points their minds and their attentions to that. Well, in chapter 9, verse 22, it says, And Aaron lifted up his hand toward the people and blessed them, and came down from offering of the sin offering and the burnt offering and the peace offerings. And Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of the congregation and came out and blessed the people. And the glory of the Lord appeared unto all people. And there came a fire out from before the Lord and consumed upon the altar the burnt offering and the fat, which when the, all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. So Aaron blessed the people. Maybe it was from number six because Moses told, um, uh, or God told Moses to tell Aaron to say, the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. And so perhaps that's what um, Aaron said. The, it, it was not Aaron that was actually providing the blessing, but it was the Lord that blesses. It's the Lord that keeps. It's the Lord's face that shines upon his people. And Moses or Aaron said this prayer, said this blessing on the people according to the word of God. So it wasn't according to Aaron's power, but according to the word of God, according to what God told him. You, you say this prayer of blessing upon the people because I am going to bless the people. Aaron's work as a, as a priest was always to do what God told him to do, to serve God by serving the people. He was there for the people. What happened in Jesus' day and what happens in, in worldly religions is it gets flipped around to where the priesthood is there for themselves and the people are there for the priesthood. The people will come and make sure the priests have everything that they need and the priests exist and look at the people as if the people were there to serve them. When in fact, Aaron was there to serve God by serving the people. He was there for the people. And so as Aaron spake, he spake to bless the people as according to what God had told him to do. That's, that's the main thrust of this. You find God told Moses to do something. Moses did it to the letter. God told Aaron to do something. And Aaron did it to the letter. They were just doing what God had told them to do. Well, they did that. They offered sacrifices for the people and the glory of the Lord appeared. Probably the, the, the sacrifice was there burning because they offered the sacrifices. And probably what happened is a fire came from that fire, that existing fire, and just either came in such a great form and fashion or instantly consumed everything that was there. But all the people knew that it was the Lord. It consumed everything. And when they saw it, they fell on their faces. And they shouted and they worshipped and they fell upon their faces before God. So God did as he said he was going to do. Back in Exodus, God said, I'm going to take Aaron and I'm going to sanctify him. I'm going to set him apart, but I'm going to dwell with my people. They will know that I am God. And all this time later, it happens just like God said it was going to happen. So the golden calf didn't take God by surprise. The sin and the failings of Aaron didn't take God by surprise. 
The sins and the failings of the people of Israel didn't take God by surprise, but this was all according to, to his plan. And just as God said it was going to happen in Leviticus, it did. Now he's there among his people, and the people worship and glorify his name. So the sacrifices were offered, and God blessed his people and dwells with his people. God was glorified in a particularly wonderful way at this time. But this was not the ordinary way that these things happened. I know sometimes in my mind, you read through the Old Testament, you think, well, God was just always doing some great thing. And the people would see these great things and, and just be overcome with wonder at what God had did. But we have to remember that sometimes you go from one chapter to another, you might go two or three hundred years just between the chapters that a long time can happen between a short period of time in the history in in the Bible history. This was not the ordinary way that things happened. In fact, I believe this is one of uh, three times in which a sacrifice was consumed in such a way. At the announcement of uh, Samson's birth, there was a sacrifice and the angel of the Lord appeared. The temple of Solomon, whenever Solomon's temple appeared, such a thing happened. And then when Elijah was on top of Mount Carmel and fire descended and burnt up his sacrifice and all the water that was surrounding him. But as far as I can see, that was it. And what I'm trying to say is that, that, that God was glorified throughout the Old Testament, but just in the regular, ordinary way. The rest of these people's lives, they didn't see that the burnt offering be consumed in such a glorious way. Now they remembered it, and the next generation heard about it, and the generation after that heard about it, but it was always by faith. The people would come and offer these sacrifices and worship by faith. And, you know, some some people want to come to church and have some vision or some great... uh, show of miraculous power every single week, but God's people worship him by faith. We hear his word, we trust his promises, and we worship him by faith, just like God's people have always done. We read events like this and see the glory of God, and we worship God by faith. We don't have to see this happen, but we can know that it happened and, and glorify that the Lord is glorified in the worship of his people whenever we, we worship him as he has prescribed for us. So all the people were happy. All the people were glorifying God. Everything was was well and good. And you get to chapter number 10. And it says, And Nahab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. Now the reason I wanted to do all three of these chapters together is because if you just lay, if you put them one beside the other and it follows a pattern. Chapter 8, God told Moses, and Moses did as the Lord commanded. Chapter 9, Aaron told, or Moses told Aaron, and Aaron did as the Lord commanded. Chapter 10, Nahab and Abihu just did. They didn't do as Aaron commanded. They didn't do as Moses commanded. They didn't do as the Lord commanded. They just did what they wanted to do. Not as the Lord commanded. Specifically, it says. Which he commanded them not. 
So you find the commandments of God being given in the first two chapters. Then you have Aaron's boys come along and they did what they wanted to do, not what the Lord commanded. The pattern has been changed. They acted presumptuously. There was particular ways and particular means by which they were to offer this sacrifice. They had to get the coals from the altar certain times a day. How they got the strange fire or what exactly that was, it doesn't say. All it means is they took fire from a place or from at a time that they weren't supposed to do. And they offered a sacrifice in a way God didn't tell them to do it. And there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. We end chapter number 9 with a fire consuming the sacrifices. The people glorify the Lord, and they saw the glory of the Lord. Nahab and Abihu took strange fire to offer unto the Lord, and now we find the fire devouring these men for their presumptuous sins. In verse 3 of chapter 10, Then Moses said unto Aaron, This is it that the Lord spake, saying, I will be sanctified in them that come nigh to me, and before all the people I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. The Lord is a holy God. And Aaron just watches his boys die right before his eyes for their rebellion before the Lord. And Aaron held his peace. It doesn't mean Aaron wasn't devastated. But Aaron is standing before the holy God. And he saw what his boys had done. And knew that God was just in his judgment. And he held his peace. Now why is this? Well, the Lord God is a holy God. And all the people just saw the glory of the Lord. And they all were worshiping God. And now Nahab and Abihu step outside of God's word, not his will, and, and offer strange fire. They offer a strange sacrifice in the face of all the people. But you can't come before God on your own terms. You can't come into God's presence in your own way. And what Nahab and Abihu did was show all the people of Israel that God's holiness isn't that big a deal. And it doesn't really matter how you get to God. It doesn't really matter how how you come to the Lord. My way is just as good as Dad's way. It's just as good as Moses' way. Any old way will do as long as long as you uh, as long as you we all get to the same place. Well, Lord makes it abundantly clear at the very beginning, the first day of the priesthood, that's not the case. God has very particular pictures here for the sacrifices and for what they, they picture and what they represent. It represented Jesus Christ. It represented the way to the holy God. And there is only one way. And you can't have multiple ways. And you can't have your way and my way. There's only one way to God, and that's through Jesus Christ. So a perversion of the sacrifices is a perversion of the picture. 
This was a picture of Jesus Christ, and they, they perverted it and twisted it. And so the, the gospel was perverted. The way into God was, was changed. And had this, you know, this was the first day. They couldn't even get through the first day without messing up. And God shows the seriousness of this. In verses 4 through 7, Moses calls, um, calls some family in because Aaron and his other brothers couldn't go bury them. They couldn't rent their clothes. Aaron had to watch as other family members came and carried them off because they, they were sanctified. They couldn't touch the dead bodies. They couldn't uncover their heads or rend their clothes because they would die. The high priest in Leviticus 21, among his brethren, and whose head is anointing oil was poured and that is consecrated, put on the garment, shall not uncover his head nor rend his clothes. Neither shall we go into any dead body or defile himself for his father or his mother. Leviticus 21, 10 and 11. Once they were sanctified and set apart for this particular work, they couldn't even go to their mom and dad's funeral or here in his own son. So Aaron and his other boys had to watch as these other people buried their children. Now what was this to represent? Well, it was to represent the priest was given over to God for the people. That, that, that there was no other relationship that was more important than for the people, than that of the priest of God. And the priest of God, when he was sanctified, was there um, to offer sacrifices unto the people. The people mourned, but it served as a warning unto all. And so now you're thinking, well, God's got to be done with Aaron at this point the golden calf situation, and now this, this has got to be over. In verse number 8, it says, And the Lord spake to Aaron, saying, and he tells him not to drink wine and to be clean and be holy. In verse 11, to teach the people. The only time I believe that God speaks to Aaron in this whole book directly is right after this. That God is not done with Aaron God shows grace yet again. God shows his holiness in preserving the picture, but shows grace to sinners. And then the the amazing thing is in verse 16, Moses diligently sought to go to the sin offering, and behold, it was burnt. And he was angry with Eleazar and Ithmar and the sons of Aaron, which were left alive, saying, Wherefore have you not eaten the sin offering in the holy place, seeing it is most holy, and God hath given it to you to bear the iniquity of the congregation to make atonement for them before the Lord? They had just carried off Nahab and Abihu for offering strange fire, and now Moses is turning around looking and so, okay, we got one more thing to do here. Um, we got one more thing. Uh, where's the go to the sin offering? And maybe Eleazar and Ithmar drop their head and start, start looking at one another. Um, Moses 
Why haven't you eaten the sin offering? That was your job. You were supposed to do that. Behold, the blood of it was not brought within the holy place. You should have indeed eaten it in the holy place as I commanded. And Aaron said to Moses, Behold, this day they have offered their sin offering and their burnt offering before the Lord, and such things have befallen me. And if I had eaten the sin offering today, should it have been accepted in the sight of the Lord? And when Moses heard that, he was content. So they messed up again. And Aaron said, after everything that has happened, I didn't think I could take it. I didn't think I, I could have eaten it. Would, would it have been accepted if after all that's happened today and, and our failures, could I have eaten it? And Moses was content and there was no judgment upon Aaron and his sons. And you say, well, how come there was mercy here and not the other? Well, the other one was a willful perversion of, of the, the, a willful perversion of the picture of Christ. Here, Aaron, out of fear of the Lord, and a desire to serve the Lord, and a desire to do what was right, did, messed up. Did he do what was right? No. Was it sinful? Yes. It was out of a heart of love towards God, and I think God had mercy on him. I think God had mercy on Aaron and his sons for doing, for, for worshiping him, not out of willful rebellion, but out of a heart towards the glory of God. But he still messed up, but God was gracious. And I find grace in that. How many times do you and I want to do the right thing and we don't do it exactly right or perfectly? And we wish we could do it better, but, you know, even, you know, how many times do I say something from the pulpit and it comes out wrong and I say something I don't mean to say? Well, God is gracious and God is merciful uh, to his people. He he, he, his laws are not grievous to us who are, who are forgiven. And the last thing I want to say about this is just to remind us of the scripture that we read at the beginning. Think how hard it would be to be a priest. Aaron had all this time to prepare the very first day on the job and he messed it all up. I remember the first time I did the Lord's Supper, um, how nervous I was. There was not a lot to that, but still, I was nervous. I was going to mess up. I was going to say something wrong. I couldn't imagine being a priest, all the things that they had to do. And here it is the very first day, and they mess up twice. And two of them died. How many times do you think they messed up after that? But our priest is perfect. He never sinned. He never messed up. He never fouled up. He never made a mess of the sacrifice. He never twisted, for he was the sacrifice. He was clothed in perfect righteousness, never made a mistake, completed the sacrifices in perfection. God accepted them in perfection and now sits at the right hand of the Father. We have a high priest that never fails. Could you imagine going home after this first day and talking to your spouse about what you saw? Boy, I can't believe what happened. That's all they had. They had one job to do and they messed it up and, and two of them are dead and then they went and messed up again. How in the world are we ever going to offer our sacrifices to God if the guys whose only job it is to do this messes it up? 
That's probably what I would have been thinking. Maybe that would be a bad attitude, but it's, honestly, it's what I've been thinking. That's their job, and they, they can't even get it right on the first day. How are we ever going to come before God? We, we, need a, we need a holy priest. We need a perfect priest is what we need. We need somebody that can offer sacrifices unto God and not mess up. That's what this was for. It was to point them and make them long for a coming priest, a Messiah. They looked at the imperfect men in the blurry pictures and longed to see the truth. They longed to have their Messiah, the, the Christ, come. So we look at Aaron, we see him foul up, and we say, I thank God that I have a perfect high priest um, in Jesus Christ.